0: Hello and welcome to this week's Olive magazine podcast. I'm Janine Olive's food director and I'll be your host for this episode. Coming up, web editor Alex chats to chief subdom about the best places to eat and drink in Brighton. Later on, we'll hear from digital intern and keen baker Amanda on her tips for making your cakes Great British Bake Off worthy. But first up, I caught up with our cookery writer Adam to find out the secret to baking with salt. Okay, so this week I'm here with Adam, Cooker writer. Hello. Hi, Adam. We've got a great new technique that's just gone up on the website, which is um, salt baking a whole, quite large rainbow trout.
2: Yeah, that one was quite a large one. <laughs> it was yeah. a beast. It was a beast. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's part of your techniques um, series. So tell us tell us what what's the big deal with salt baking?
2: Well, um, I suppose firstly, it's salt baking. So. Yeah. It, you beautifully season a piece of fish yeah so um as opposed to just like salting a steak or anything yeah over the 40 minutes in the oven or 45 minutes the salt has a real chance to um, penetrate the flesh of the skin Mm. uh, of the fish um
0: tell me tell me like the the sort of how do you put it together because the salt's not just salt is it it's got the things in it
2: well, I mean, you can, you, when you usually salt but you can do it two ways. You can yeah. do it, you can make a salt dough, which is with flour, water, and salt, or mm. in, in this case, it's just egg whites uh, and salt, really. And the egg whites help to, as they cook, sort of set the salt and bind it and then make it uh, an airtight seal okay. so that this, the fish can, like, really cook really nicely and evenly and steam in its own juices.
0: So when you mix the salt and egg whites, you end up with this kind of mush, salt yeah, mush it's kind that of that like can...
2: a thick paste that you yeah. can sort of uh, just sort of obviously get a nice, well, a nice big baking. Sheet, same size as your fish or bigger than your fish. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of lay like a, a little, you basically, you basically just lay the outline of the fish, like from thickest to, to narrowest point, fish on top, and then salt to completely encase. So you yeah, have to completely
0: fashion. encase the fish. That's the idea.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. You want, it, you want it to be a pretty, pretty tight seal so that, uh, that it's, so it's, so all the moisture is sealed inside. Because yeah. basically what you're doing is um, mo- modern ovens are basically made to whip as much uh, moisture away from the cooking oh, right. environment okay. as possible. Yeah. That's why you've got a fan. So it distributes the heat evenly and it also gets rid of all the moisture. So like how you can get nice crispy chicken skin or anything like that. Yeah. Whereas this, the, the steam can't really go anywhere. So the, the oh, so salt it crust. Yes, yeah, so the salt crust heats up yeah. and then um sort of becomes the same temperature as the oven as it would. Mm. Um and then yeah, so it's sort of all the juices that are coming out of the fish are kind of just bouncing up and down and go back in and um sort of, sort So of, I
0: think you said on the piece it's like an oven within an oven, yes, isn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. So you're exactly. creating
0: your own micro.
2: Fish salt Yeah. yeah. Oven. So it's, cooking, it's <laughs> cooking in its own juices.
0: Yeah. Isn't it going to be really salty, though?
2: Well, the good thing about... Well, I would always suggest to do anything with a good, like a, a good skin. So if right. you're doing vegetables, something like celeriac or beetroot... Um, Anything or potatoes, anything that can sort of with like just give you a little bit yeah, of a barrier okay. to the flesh. Um, and likewise, when you're doing with trout, it's got nice thick skin from being in the you know cold British waters. So, um,
0: so it's going to get seasoned rather than like I mean blow the, your head off saltiness.
2: The the, the the skin will be pretty salty because yeah. it's in direct contact you. Content. probably
0: won't want to eat that anyway, no, would you?
2: Because it, it's not, it's not like pan fried crispy. Flabby. Yeah, it's kind of just like <laughs> salty flabbiness, yeah. which is I don't think that's very nice for anyone.
0: But your crust is a lovely green color, right? Yeah. So, that's got some other bits in it
2: so yeah i kind of thought about doing it um obviously it's a good way to get um seasonings yeah. i kind of thought about it a bit like a brine so when you make a brine oh, yeah. um to like season or you know to before you cook um chicken a chicken say yeah you can um you know you'd always add like peppercorns and any sort of spices and herbs um so i thought it might be cool to to blend some herbs and make it a bit of a wacky color because i think that's pretty cool so we've
0: got this beautiful bright green crust and i think that's part of um the theater of salt crust baking isn't it that you're you're going to bring this to the table and everyone's going to go
2: Ooh. Ooh, ah, yeah absolutely ah. I, mean, it is, I mean what's in there yeah yeah i mean salt I making a whole shape thing. gives it away but yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah. obvious but um salt baking a whole fish you know it's all about carrying it to the table and, mm. and like, busting all that off and getting everyone to sort of chip in and help out and yeah, yeah I think yeah the green sort of just adds to that so you've got bit...
0: parsley and dill in there but you've also got fennel which is a really lovely fragrant yeah, like yeah. sp- spice as well so yeah. I mean can you kind of adapt it to whatever you wanted because you've oh, got absolutely. kind of asiany with it or oh I guess... absolutely
2: I'd, I mean you some, some cumin and coriander seeds would be amazing yeah yeah, in yeah there. and get some
0: coriander yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah
2: I, I, definitely some chilies as well
0: and you've said on your on your on your intro that actually when you when you do the salt crust it it actually increases the um uh, sorry it makes the cooking time a little bit shorter because it like bumps up the temperature and the intensity a bit like a pressure cooker i guess
2: yeah yeah so i suppose um i suppose it's sort of changing slightly the way in which the fish is cooking so like Uh, obviously in an oven you cook by convection, so that's just hot. You heat the air around the object that you're cooking, whereas the salt crust will get... well we yeah, cook it by conduction almost almost like you know say frying a steak in a frying pan but not yeah. not as direct as that yeah. But yeah it will get hotter and, and cook it a lot quicker than if you just roasted that in a, yeah. in a tray
0: so be careful about it. i mean you've got good timings <clears throat> on this but obviously you don't want to overcook your fish no and and also-
2: it, yeah and also because you rest it you kind of give it a chance to oh, so kind it will of, just carry yeah, on just and, ticking yeah. over and getting all those like redistributing all those juices yeah. so
0: and let's just talk about the salt because um, we're not talking about using bog-standard table salt on this. No. But we're also not talking about using the poshest ever molden sea salt because it would no, bankrupt no. you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: mean, if you want to do that, fine. But, uh, I mean, I would,
0: if you're that kind of person. Yeah, yeah, why not?
2: Flashy. Yeah, do it.
0: But I guess something like... Um, standard coarse sea salt yeah i think it's just, like even it's just about, fine yeah. final
2: or of course coarse, it doesn't matter hugely yeah. um but just yeah not the absolute worst but not the absolute best yeah, either yeah. i think just you know every supermarket has like a a, a, a relatively decent sea salt you yeah. know as long as it's not just salt yeah. from you know some chemist somewhere
0: and if you um if you search this salt-baked rainbow trout on, online at olivemagazine.com, there's some really lovely pictures of Adam kind of step-by-step step taking you through the process of, of making the fish. But it's not the only salt-baked thing we've got online. In fact, chefs chefs love a bit of salt-baking, yeah, don't they? I've, yeah. been, I've been reading a few of them. Um, we've got a great one from Dan Doherty. Uh, who did some salt baked turnips for us a while mm. back? Um, Delicious. And he did what you mentioned before, which is actually makes a salt dough, yeah. which is flour, water, and salt. Yeah, can't eat that dough afterwards. No, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't even. I wouldn't try. suggest it. I would suggest your it. Teeth.
2: <laughs> yeah, one would would be the, the saltiest dentist trip you've ever been
0: to. <laughs> but um, but what it also does is it makes a really dense impenetrable dough so, so for something that's a bit hardier like a turnip yeah. it completely traps all that steaming yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and um, you know you might think a turnip's a really boring vegetable but you know we like them I, I don't, I, I love a turnip <laughs> um, but that actually, it makes it into something really sweet once mm. you crack open the salt dough crust. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he serves that with a mustard sauce and it's absolutely delicious. Mm. Um, and we've also got something else that you mentioned earlier, which is salt-baked beetroot. Yeah. I think root vegetables, especially Root vegetables really are
2: really... I mean, it just seems to bring out an inherent sweetness in most vegetables yeah. when you do it. So, yeah, beetroot...
0: Because they don't lose their... Mo- if you roast a veg, it's going to lose a bit of moisture in the oven, isn't it? Yeah. Where with, with this method when you're completely covering it in something, it's kind of keeping all that moisture in. Yeah, you kind of just condensing
2: that, it. And, yeah, keeping yeah. all the
0: natural sugars inside. Yeah. So yeah, the salt baked beets one, I think that was a bit like your method where you took egg whites, salt and ducker spice um, and uh, patted it around the beetroot and let that go crusty and, and you know. But you can also, um, you can also go freeform, I think, which I've read a few recipes where you literally um and this is where you probably would use a cheaper salt because mm. you use a, a lot of it um you cover a little tray in salt put your smaller veg on there and then just literally bury them in it
2: yeah 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 and i mean you, I, I actually when i was working a few weeks ago at an event i did a few salmons and i think it was literally just salt and water so really? just enough just enough water to make it a, like a paste yeah and then yeah you just use enough that it sort of it it, it doesn't it, it it kind of supports itself so you don't need to like bind it or anything you just kind of absolutely pile Was that it on.
0: roasting it or was that that barbecue yeah yeah did? but we
2: cooked it in some argentinian um <laughs> strange way between <laughs> between between two pieces of uh cast iron yeah, yeah with fires on the bottom and underneath
0: but essentially the, the same the same process yeah, yeah, it's
2: just putting in an oven yeah. they call it a little hell in uh in spanish but, I can't, I, but I can't remember what that actually is because <laughs> i don't speak spanish
0: if anyone can remember what it is yeah. you know write in and tell us but anyway but
2: well, yeah you're right you i mean you can literally just yeah, if you're if you've got quite a lot of salt to hand you can just chuck loads on a tray stick your veg in like you know sporadically and then just pile it up on 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 top and and round well
0: there's some great ideas there so do head to olivemagazine.com and check them out um and you know get a bit more salt on your bacon thanks very much adam cheers alex has just spent a long weekend discovering some hidden brighton gems let's hear her recommendations
3: Hello, so it's Alex here, and I am chatting to uh, Dom, who's new to the Olive team, and this is his first podcast, so welcome to the podcast, Dom. Thank you very much. I'm sure everybody will be hearing his voice a lot over the coming months. The reason why I'm chatting to Dom today is because I recently went down to Brighton from London on the train, and... It is actually, I'm ashamed to say, my first time that I've been. Shocking. Considering it's so close and so easy to get to. Um, And the reason why Dom is chatting to me about Brighton is because he is local to Brighton. Yes, indeed. Yes,
4: yes. yes. Um, I've been in Brighton for three and a half years now. Fab. Um, So actually one of the things I do really enjoy about Brighton is that it is a bit of a destination. Yes. Um, and particularly on the weekend, uh, the city has a real kind of buzz about it. All the day trippers coming down. Um, you go to the station, there's loads of smiling faces, people coming off the trains. Because, yeah. you know, it's like a day out by the seaside. Yeah. Um, but I think... The focus we're going to talk about today is the food scene that's happening yes. there, I think, because uh, there's so many things going on there.
3: There really are. There's so many so many restaurants and cafes that have opened up recently. We've been a bit overwhelmed, which is why I went down to mm-hmm. do a destination like foodie tour and um, so i actually had like when i got off the train i had a destination in mind i was going to the new uh, restaurant pascheri i think that's how you pronounce it p-a-s-c-e-r-e and that was like incredible i don't know if anybody saw the beef shin pappardelle i put on um, instagram but that got a lot of love um and the review is actually on olivemagazine.com now if you want to read that but i can imagine if you don't have a destination when you get off the train it can be a little bit overwhelming and yes. dom you said that there is actually a little route that you can do and you make sure you get everything in
4: yes so i think yes so yeah, great. So can you share that yeah with us? i think well, when you come out of the station you basically got a uh, sort of a road that, that heads straight down to the seafront um, mm-hmm. My suggestion is as you come out of the station, you take a little right and there's a sort of little tunnel you go under onto Trafalgar Street and that takes you into, straight to into the North Lane area.
3: Right, yes.
4: It's quite easy to bypass um, those first few streets, but um, it's a really, for me, it's the most interesting area of Brighton. There's loads, it's where all the little independent shops are. It's away from the sort of the, the big shopping centre and all the kind of the high street shops. So that's my first recommendation, head there, down to Trafalgar Street, and then you sort of wend your way down through towards um, basically the pavilion area. Um, oh, yeah, Brighton that's pavilion. beautiful. Just around there. Yeah. Um, once you've seen the pavilion, um, thread your way through the lanes, um, which is a, sort of the oldest part of Brighton.
3: Can you just <laughs> explain the lanes a little bit more to people who might not know, but yeah. I know they're very famous, but um, I actually didn't really know what they were. Before
4: yeah, I, I mean, it's basically a series of tiny little alleyways. Um um, there 's loads of little interesting kind of there 's a little sort of antique shops and knickknack shops mm. um there 's little cafes and restaurants um it gets very busy down there on the weekends yeah. um but it's really worth exploring you can kind of lose yourself um, it, down there it the did anyways, remind me and... a
3: little bit of like portobello Roads with all of the knick-knack shops and yes. like they're obviously very busy but it still is quite charming like it it's is. definitely worth yes. going to isn't it
4: absolutely and you're really you're getting really close to the seafront by that stage um so and within another 5 minutes you're down on the front there's the pier there um and basically the promenade is really nice there's there's, yeah. there's Lots of nice bars there. Again, it gets really, really hectic on a hot summer's afternoon. So yes,
3: I can imagine. <laughs> you,
4: it's, you really want to see it, but there's also so much more to explore in Brighton if you feel it's a little bit overbearing.
3: Yeah. So I, um, I actually managed to do that route because um, Dom um, told me about it before. Um, and one of the, my favourite places that I visited in North Lane was the Flowerpot Bakery. Have you been there?
4: Yes, I have um, many a time. It's yes. just
3: gorgeous, like really lovely bread and bakes and huge carrot cakes that i don't know if they have them every day but you if you <laughs> if you see a piece of carrot cake when you're there nab it i'm i'm sure you'll love it um but um there are so many coffee shops and cafes in brighton that yes. again it's quite overwhelming so what's your favorite apart from
4: well um, yeah well, i was gonna say if yeah. you like coffee then brighton's the place to go to i, I read um uh, fairly recently that i think um People in Brighton consume the most coffee per head in the whole country. Really? Um, oh. And the, I mean, in, in some places, virtually every other place is a coffee shop. So
3: that's what we like to hear. It's
4: hugely competitive. <laughs> uh, and that makes for good coffee because yeah. it, to stand out and to, you know, to be a successful coffee shop, you've got to make really good coffee. So if you are a fan, then Brighton is definitely the place to head to. Um, my personal recommendation is um, a place called Pelicano which is on Sydney Street, which is the same street as the Flour Pot Bakery, um, they actually have their own um, small roastery on site. Oh, wonderful. So they source beans from all around the world, ethically sourced. They roast them on location. Um, they sell bags of beans, freshly roasted beans behind the counter. Loads of choice. Um, the coffee they make is really creamy, deep, delicious coffee. Mm. Really good selection of cakes and pastries over the counter, which are all made by um, you know, local bakers. Uh it's really you're bang in the middle of the north lane as well. It's a kind of perfect pit stop. um, you know, if you're been a bit tired after yeah. afternoon shopping... And also you can down. go
3: straight from the station, I imagine. Yes, yep. Really so as soon station. as you get off, you can get your coffee. Exactly,
4: fixed. exactly. Yes, yeah.
3: Um, so what about if, you know, you've been to Brighton a few times and you've done all the touristy bits? I'm going to go back to do a couple of reviews um, for the magazine in a couple of weeks. So... Um, where, where would you recommend going for someone who wants to see, like, a really local side of Brighton?
4: Yep. So, um, as I said, most people, when they arrive in Brighton, head straight out the front of the station, down towards the seafront. Um, if you've been to Brighton a few times, you've seen the North Lane, uh, you've seen the Pavilion, the lanes and the seafront, and you want to see something a little bit different that maybe is a bit up and coming, that locals really enjoy visiting, I'd recommend the London Road area.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, basically what you need to do is when you arrive at the station you basically want to exit out the back
3: okay um,
4: so you sort of so
3: away from the seafront yeah
4: so yeah. you sort of you come through the gates turn left and then there's a little exit around the side of the back um, there's a flight of steps head down there and within a few minutes you'll be on London Road fab and um, what
3: is there there to
4: so, eat <laughs> yes yeah, so it's um, it's a bit rough around the edges um, it's the area that I live in um, but but um, Probably the first place I'd suggest you head to is um, a place called The Open Market.
3: Right.
4: It's actually it's a market that's been around for a long time, but they re- recently um, rejuvenated the whole thing. It's now a covered market. Um, it's really, really interesting. There's loads of little places in there. There's, I mean, there's 50-odd storeholders in there yeah. and um, little artists' um, shops in there. You know, there's things like um, fruit and vegetables, fishmonger, um, place-selling vinyl records, second-hand books handmade chocolates pastries um but there's also loads of little good places to eat uh the one that stands out for me is a place called Cucina. it's a little greek cafe um with really delicious me- meze um, mm. and classic dishes like moussaka meatballs spanakopita Ooh, um there's a really great little hummus and falafel place called smalls um there's a place called spice of life which does go and bangladeshi dishes uh, including little lunch boxes to take away uh, a little ice cream parlor called mather's which is also really good there's regular little vintage fairs they hold on weekends um where okay. local people just brings um, you know stuff they've made um to sell uh really
3: sounds really diverse
4: yeah it's um if you happen to get to brighton and it's a bit of a Grim day a bit rainy this is a perfect place because it's covered Ideal. there's lots to explore you can easily fill a couple of hours there
3: okay amazing thank you um another <laughs> place that i say so, um i spent a couple of days there and i was staying at the artist residence which is on regency square which is stunning and mm. it's you have views of the old pier that um sadly burnt down um but um well to be fair, Artist Residence in itself is a destination because yeah. you've got the set, which is the brunch, uh, an amazing brunch place. And also you can have a set evening meal there. And also the Cocktail Shack. Have you been to the Cocktail Shack? I haven't, no, yeah. It's so buzzy. They play like really great music and it's a tiny little place and they have really like tongue in cheek named cocktails like This one, something based on Ryan Gosling and like (laughs) all this. So, yeah, that's great. But um, if you turn right as you're looking at the seafront out of Artist Residence, you're coming into Hove, the Hove area. So Brighton is technically called, isn't it, Brighton Hove? because Hove and yeah. Brighton have merged into one due to expansion. Yeah.
4: There's 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 the two separate um sort of cities I suppose but um the, the sort of the, the space between them is filled so much that um I guess to um a visitor you you would you wouldn't sort of know where when you were crossing from one into the other. Yeah. Um but Hove is a really gorgeous area. Um,
3: yeah, it's lovely. It's uh, quite um there's like lots of like art galleries. It's quite smart, isn't it? There's um, mm-hmm. there's another flowerpot bakery there, um, and that's a bigger one, and I think it's um, it's got nicer interiors anyway. Um, and there's also um, a great family-run Italian restaurant called Morocco's, and they've got really great homemade gelato. Mm-hmm. And there's always queues for that. I don't know if you've seen those yes. queues. Yes. Yes. Um, but um you said that in Hove there's quite a lot of like festivals as well.
4: Yeah, well um I mean one thing Brighton's good for is uh is festivals and food festivals particularly. Hove Lawns is seems to be the focal point for um festivals um happen spring, autumn, uh, and the end of April. Um just to name check a couple, there's the um uh, the Brighton Food Fest has spring and autumn festivals and the Foodies Festival happens at the end of all- April, as I mentioned. Um But I think there are more and more things popping up all the time um, because um, in conjunction with all the restaurant openings, I think there is just a general buzz about... Food in Brighton oh, yeah, absolutely. And people visiting for that very reason.
3: Yeah, because there's so many places that have opened up recently. So I visited Pascheri, which I, I highly recommend. They have uh, small plates and also uh, a tasting menu in the evening. They have that beef shin pappardelle that I talked about. Um, and also there's um, an a Ita- cute little Italian place called Chin Chin, um, yes. which means cheers, and that's um, up in the North Lane area. And that's great because it's just... Um, there's only about 20 seats and it's round a counter. And You have homemade pasta and, and pasty. Um, and then a lot of places are so successful that they're actually opening second places. So 64 degrees. I know you've been there, haven't you? Yes. Uh, can you tell fantastic. us very quickly about that?
4: Yes, yeah, so a small little place, um, really intimate, sort of really nice low lighting, really great sort of date venue, I'd say. Um, we sat up at the counter next to the kitchen um, the food is just really subtle um use of sort of simple ingredients but um it feels like a real treat and um i mean it gets rave reviews and, uh, and it's always popular with locals and Amazing. i can totally see why when i went there. I loved
3: Great, it. that's good to know that a local um is you know in agreement with all the tourists um the foodie tourists um so 64 degrees have actually just opened about um a month ago uh, a new restaurant called murmur mm-hmm. and uh, we're going down there um in a couple of weeks to review that so look out on olivemagazine.com to see what we think well thank you and it's been a lovely talking to you your first podcast thank, um, you. thank you very yeah, much and speak to you again soon <laughs>
0: Now the Great British Bake Off is back on our screens. Digital intern Amanda shares her top tips for becoming a star baker.
1: Hello, I'm here with Ellie, and we're here to talk to you about baking, all things baking. Last night we saw the return of the Great British Bake Off, but on obviously Channel Four. We did, and yeah, new presenters. I know, but I'm.
5: It's still, you know, still what we love about Bake Off, isn't it?
1: I wouldn't say there was like masses of difference. It felt, it felt like.
5: All felt was like true,
1: it was turning to our
5: screens yeah. in a familiar way. Yeah. I did
1: really enjoy it. Definitely. Adverts didn't annoy me too much. No, <laughs> we got through them. <laughs> so anyway, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about um, what they actually made last night, baked, the technical challenge, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, the first one was
5: they had to make a fruity cake. And sorry if we're giving away any spoilers by this point, but... You know, it
1: was on last night, come on. You've you've had time to catch up.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, fruit cake. So, there were a few... uh, There was a pineapple upside down one. There
1: was there was the coconut cake which coconut was cake Paul Peter Lee, Yeah, which I really liked him, but that was a shame. We love a coconut cake here we, at um, Olive. We do, and there were quite a few
5: um, apple cakes, weren't there? Chopped yes. up apple. That was the a classic kind of apple combo. popular
1: theme going on. Oh, and Jan had the one with the crumble on top, which I thought looked really oh, nice. Oh yeah. yes, mm, mixing two together. Yes, true. Lovely. And she also was the first one to have a slight disaster. Oh, start over. Yeah, had to redo it, but <laughs> she saved it. She, she came back. What What's your favourite fruity? cake? Cake. Well, as everyone knows in the Olive um, team, is I'm quite a lover of citrusy fruits. Anyway, <laughs> like I'd always go for um, some sort of citrus yeah. over chocolate. <laughs> so I'd have to say mine would be like lemon mm. or an orange cake or something like yeah. that. Citrus,
5: nice and fresh. Clementine.
1: Yeah. I um, so last week
5: I made the upside down pear and yes, ginger. Yes, I saw from, that from the recent Looking Olive magazine. Beautiful. And that, um, yeah, that is now a firm favourite. Bit of yeah, mine. it was. Yeah, it
1: looks very. It resembled the recipe very well. Oh, I'm, I'm glad, glad to say. hear it. <laughs> Instagram pic was great. <laughs> so the next challenge they did
5: was the technical challenge, which always is always a bit stressful yeah. for them. Stressful and for them and for us to yeah, watch, definitely. <laughs> and it was mini rolls. And a lot of the time with the technical challenge, like with Jaffa cakes they made in previous years, is that I'm not quite sure I'd actually ever attempt to make them myself at home. No, I I don't think I would.
1: Some things are better left. Yeah, we've not seen that technical before, haven't we? And I think it was a little bit like, oh, the strange one. Yeah, this is a bit random. Yeah, why wouldn't we just buy
5: Cadbury's? Well, exactly. (laughs) But some some of them did look great and they had the the
1: swirls throughout. They did. And they did look fantastic, to be fair. And Paul and Prue seemed very happy with them. They did. And Paul was giving a few handshakes out, wasn't he? He was. And social media did erupt over this. I have to say I saw did you yeah Paul giving away some handshakes in the first episode willy nilly people weren't happy about (laughs) it but they they did well under the pressure that we had the first episode I feel like they deserved the handshake definitely and then obviously the showstopper the illusion cake yes see I am so personally
5: I'm not a massive fan of cakes that are covered in icing no but I was amazed by some of the ones the sandwich one of course I mean
1: yeah as if it was a cake it wasn't a sandwich it it, it wasn't a loaf of bread it was incredible (laughs) Stephen yeah nailed that really yeah outdid himself (laughs) I think yeah and then, obviously, there was also the watermelon cake, which looks brilliant. Yeah. yeah, and Paul also really liked that. That was one of our favourites this morning when we all came in talking yeah. about Yeah, had our fish. little debrief. Yep. Um, I was also a fan of the pancake stack oh,
5: with yes. the yoghurt and granola on top. That's um, right. I like that one too. Just because I couldn't imagine it working, and then when I finally saw it, I was like, wow. It looked pretty epic, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it's good. He
1: brought himself back. He did. He yeah, redeemed yeah. himself there. We thought we'd also maybe touch on a few of the old episodes. Yes. Because obviously Great British Bake Off is a favourite for most people. (laughs) And we... Ed Kimber, who
5: yes. is the Great British Bake Off first season winner, is a big favourite here at Olive. And yes, he does we quite a few lovely recipes for us that are all on olivemagazine.com yes. if you want to go and check them out. He's quite the baker. He has always lots of tips and does great features for us. Yeah. Um, in previous years, I remember last year they did um, one of the technical challenges, was like a lace pancake. And I felt that that tested the baker's art skills rather than their baking yes. skills, which I wasn't too sure about. Yeah. The
1: creative juices flowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've not ever tried a. A lace pancake before, but no. they did look pretty epic. To be fair, they did. Let us know if any of you have ever tried a lace yeah, pancake. we'd, we'd be like treats. Um, but also, I remember seeing uh, the baked Alaska. I can't um, remember who yeah. that was. Ian. Ian. Is it. That yeah.
3: was it. Oh, and um, every
1: time I think of like the disasters, I think of that melting baked yeah, Alaska. The ice and cream. Stressful. That Goodness, was watching that. Honestly, that social media
5: crazy yes, for a good exactly. few months. I think.
1: Yeah. So it's safe to say. Uh, GBBO's back and we yeah. love it and yeah. can't wait for next week and so Amanda is going to give us some of her baking tips
5: as well so yes. some people say that when you use a mixer to make cakes, that's cheating. What do you think?
1: Um, well, I would most definitely say it's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mary Barry would agree. Yeah,
5: I'm I'm Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yes, I'm pre- <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah. No, I definitely wouldn't. Why don't you make it slightly easier for yourself? There's that yeah. equipment's there, isn't it, for it to be used? Exactly. I have um, my K mixer. A lot of people obviously have their Kitchen aid yeah, or I've whatever kitchen one you've age. got. Yeah. You might, it, makes, it helps for sure, especially when you're doing big cakes, wedding cakes or birthday cakes, something. Yeah. And it helps make sure it's binding enough and mixed yeah. on enough. Or, Gives you that reassurance. Yeah. Unless you're going for like, you know, I don't know, some serious yeah. muscle power. Unless you, you want like, like a workout at the same time. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and what are some of your other top pieces of equipment to use? So I would say um, I do a lot of wedding cakes and birthday cakes and things. So I would say some things that I couldn't live without is a cake leveler. Um, I, if you've got a great eye for cutting a cake and stuff with a <laughs> knife, then be my guest, but I'm not going to lie. No. I, I definitely am a bit wobbly, so with the cake leveler, this really helps make the two sponges even as possible. Yeah. Especially if you're stacking to do a wedding cake. Yeah, you need it, you you need it, it to, to be You want it to be even, even yeah. exactly. And then also a cake lifter. It took, I didn't get this straight away, and I was often using various palette knives to get under Fish the Fish slices cake. to yes. balance and it. And I was yeah. like, why <laughs> am I not going to speak <laughs> cake lifter? So lo and behold I went and bought one and it's the best thing ever (laughs) just to really get it under there and help stick especially when you're doing the tiered cakes it just helps especially also if you're just um, stacking anyway it saves Mm. the crumbling of your cakes and it
5: saves the panic of what what if this falls whilst I'm lifting it because
1: often some cakes are crumblier than others like a chocolate cake often is um, a lot more Moist, yeah, <laughs> than others. Um, and so sometimes if you're trying to get it under the thin palette knife, it won't always work, yeah. So, um, yeah. and also, um, using the right tin. So if you're following a recipe, um, often I've done it in the past, I Put my hand up to that. I've <laughs> gone. Oh, this tin looks about right. Follow the recipe, and then it doesn't have the same height or anything. And yeah. I haven't got this. Sim- doesn't look like it. They don't look like the same yeah. form of brownies I wanted. <laughs> um, so always make sure your tin is right. Yeah. And when you have the tin, make um I butter it to death. Like yeah. butter it and put loads of baking um, parchment, parchment oh. in it and it, and higher up as well because right. you don't want it spilling for one. No. And also, you don't want it to stick. Yeah, exactly. Better. Better safe than sorry. Exactly. And like most things, if it gets old, it starts to lose its stick a bit. So you want to make sure it's not sticking to the tin. Exactly. (laughs) And
5: what about some cooking techniques? Um, How do you know when a cake is ready?
1: So, um... Often, obviously, there's the trick with putting a knife or a toothpick into the sponge and it coming out clean, which is definitely works and everything, yeah. but I've had a few disasters in the past where I've done that, got it out thinking, oh, it looks like it's going to overcook, I don't want it to be dry, and yeah. it's dropped in the middle and it's still not cooked so, yeah. fully. Um, so I always, this is my personal preference, I, I do this, make sure it comes out clean, and also I will... Touch it to make it spring back and make sure it's golden. Right. Then you really know. So you've got
5: the sensory ways of exactly. telling as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I always, I don't overcook it longer, but your um, oven, ovens are all different. Yeah.
5: And you so know your oven best. Yeah. Don't you? Exactly. Yeah. So if
1: I think it says cook it for 40 minutes and I think it's not quite done, then I will. Yeah. And you. Yeah, everyone. Knows. and also a
5: lot of the time by looking at it, you, you can know, tell yeah. sometimes it has a wobble and you're like, okay, well, this yeah. clearly isn't done. <laughs> yeah.
1: And if you think it's going to be dry um, or you think, oh, I don't want it to be dry, whatever, yeah. i have to make a sugar syrup. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, so just like um, same ratio of sugar to water and just um, simmer it on the, yeah. the hob and then just, if you're doing a lemon cake, add a bit of a squeeze of lemon in there. It's and a just you flavour it to the cake. Yeah, and just brush nice. on top just to keep it a little bit um, wetter. Wetter, so it, yeah. You know, it's not going to dry out if you are worried about that. That is a great idea. And <laughs> so finally,
5: yeah. a lot of um, Amanda's cakes are incredibly neat and beautiful. So how do you get that <laughs> layer of icing, buttercream? How do you get it to look so um, tidy?
1: Well, one, th- I didn't straight away do this because I didn't really realise it until I tested it one day. And I mm. actually put all, my, all the buttercream that I fill the cakes in up with, it. I do it through a piping bag. Okay. Rather than dolloping it on and spreading it with my palette knife. knife, yeah. I, first of all, this is controversial, I know, I put the jam on first. Oh, it's like like the
5: scones all over
1: again. It is, Ellie. (laughs) Um, But I put a layer of jam or lemon curd or caramel, whatever it is you're doing, and then I pipe the buttercream just to give it the... even affect the whole way round. Yeah. And I don't do it quite to the edge, especially if you're doing a your naked cake. Right, yes. Um, Because you want it to, if it's going to squidge it. down a bit, you don't want it to come completely yeah. over the top. Um, But that is the best way, I would say, because when you cut in and you've got your nice slice, it's yeah. completely it's level clean. and looks beautiful inside and out. Amazing. <laughs> so there we go.
5: There are some... Great yep. baking tips and yeah let us know what you think of the new bake off series and yep. who you think's gonna win so far.
1: Yeah we'll be watching next week along with all of you guys so um and what is it next week it'll be the biscuit week biscuit week we all have a biscuit we do <laughs> we do all right thanks so much
0: Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to go review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our packed September issue now from newsagents or download the app. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with even more food and drink chat.